Hello and welcome to a Brave Spate podcast with Dr. Meeks. My name is Chelsea Glasgow and we're here, of course, with Dr. Catherine Meeks. How are you, Dr. Meeks? I'm well. It's good to see you. Oh, hear you, I should say. <laughs> right. Good to hear you as well. Listen, today we have a special guest, the Reverend Canon Stephanie Spellers. Spellers on the presiding bishop staff as his canon for evangelism, racial reconciliation, and creation care. How are you doing, Canon Stephanie? I am doing well. Um, it's so good to be able to talk with y'all. The only thing better would be sitting in a space together, but we'll get around to that someday. Soon <laughs> Absolutely. And, soon and very soon. Listen, Canon Stephanie, um, uh, we know that you just authored a book called The Church Cracked Open, and we are so excited uh, to be able to talk with you about this disruption and decline and new hope for beloved community. But today we want to talk about something very specific, and that is African-American women finding their freedom. Um, and so the first question, I'm going to crack it right open, right? And the first question that I want to ask you is, what does it mean to be African-American, a woman, and free in America today? Uh, well, I mean, I think the first thing that we have to acknowledge is that to be African-American and a woman and free, um, especially that free part in America, is a fairly new development, right? <laughs> um, that in the history of America, um, we have, as a group, um, only even been able to claim full freedom, um, in the, certainly in the eyes of the law, for, um, you know, for, what, 100, maybe 150 or so years, and, and in many ways, only for the last 50 years, um, and um, again, legally. Spiritually, we've been claiming freedom all along. <laughs> um, and so, so even just hearing that question, one of the first things that hits me um, Chelsea and Dr. Meeks is that I think we're still um, we're still figuring out how to claim that freedom, how to have America recognize that freedom. Um, freedom for me, I think, um, and again, this is the part of the freedom that we claim, no matter what, the world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. Is that um, you know, freedom is the freedom to not. Um, to not be controlled by systemic oppression. Freedom is the freedom to be able to say that God has created me whole and, um, and invites me and invites everyone into fullness of life. And, um, and so freedom is this, is this capacity, it's this power to be able to grab onto that. Uh, again, in spite of what the world says, in spite of what the world does. Um, freedom is the freedom to, to use your voice, to use your gifts, to use your power, um, and to celebrate your identity. And again, I think that even, even when the laws of the land have made that difficult um, and even made it um, made it sound like, um, I guess, yeah, just an impossible proposition. We have still found ways to be free. And I mm -hmm. think that that's a model really for every other human being is how black women in America have been able to claim that. 
Right, right. I love I love that you said, you know, the world didn't give the freedom and the world can't take it away. Mm-hmm. But how exactly do we claim um, that freedom when the world is trying to tell us, hey, you know, give us different rules and different um, regulations that will kind of regulate what we will call free? Uh, well, I mean, and I, I, I hear you asking that, and I, I would love to hear Dr. Meek's um, thoughts on this as well, because I, we've had some of this conversation before. So, <laughs> um, you know, about about like how is it that we claim this freedom and and live as free beings? You, you know, um, Toni Morrison says. Uh, African-American women didn't have ladyhood, whiteness, or maleness to, as a crutch. And so we had to figure out who we are and were and going to be. And she says, we, in the process of doing that, we invented ourselves. And I think that that self-invention is part of the, 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 the process of the declaration of I'm a free person because you in the first place, you had to figure it out yourself. It was, there weren't things external to you, to us telling us this, if you do these things, you'll know you are free. You know, you are a woman, you know, you are a person, you know, you're worthy. We didn't have that. So we had to figure out what is it that I can do to make that um, declaration for myself. And in the process of doing that, we've become these people that have not only uh, saved ourselves, but I think we've saved our people. And saved and saved certainly a nation. Yes. In a lot of ways. I mean, and not, not suffering servants saving the nation, um, but as we become whole, as we become free, and as we claim that publicly, I think we really do provide an important witness um, for the rest of America um, and the world about, so what does a free human being look like? Um, You know, what does a person who has had to grasp consciously, intentionally grasp identity, consciously, intentionally grasp and find her voice, um, her gifts, her power, um, what does that look like? Um, You know, I, I, I know at one point in my life, I resented that process um, just because it's exhausting, you know, and, and also, and, and honestly, you kind of look around and you feel like so many other groups have these things as a given and, and you kind of feel like, geez, my life would be easier if I didn't have to, to craft this, um, and to, you know, to craft it in the face of so many obstacles. But once you've done that and it's ongoing work, of course, but once, um, once you really dig into that, and, and once you feel, I think, even just the movement of God in it, um, you know, how God is the one who is, who is speaking us into being, um, which is why this is a freedom that the world can't take away, because God is the one who is, who is kind of walking with us as we are becoming truly free. Um, I kind of, now I'm a, kind of on the more of the other end of it. I almost wouldn't have it any other way. You know, I wouldn't want the world to be able to say, well, we told you what it is to be a woman. Um, and so now we can take it away <laughs> or, you know, like we told you what your racial identity would be. Um, and, you know, and I, I see, for instance, white folks now who, who they don't know how to name what it is to have a positive racial identity. Um, 
because they just kind of had this whiteness that's been handed to them, thrust upon them, um, that they've been born into. And, um, and again, like, wow, that would, I, I would not want to live unconscious like that. Um, right. So, or dependent, um, right? on those external definitions of yourself, mm-hmm. because the, how do you lay claim to something that's outside of yourself? If you didn't find a place inside of yourself to verify even the validity of it. And so I think a lot of what we see, you know, we're so preoccupied as we should be, we're trying to create spaces for racial healing and reconciliation. And and it's so complicated because there's so, it, it, white people have got to do some backtracking to kind of uh, establish some identity from inside of themselves and Black and brown people have to do some of that work, too, as we have allowed oppression to mess up our understanding of who we are. But but there are many of us that are that are clear about that. I mean, we, we know that the, the culture is not interested in us, not interested in our survival, not interested in helping us to think we have space on the planet or anything. And when you when you come up in the face of that desolation and and see yourself as a worthy person, you become a force to be reckoned with. And that's part of maybe part of the reason African-American women have been despised. And, uh, you know, I mean, even in our own communities, we've struggled with that because we are considered sometimes overpowering and, uh, and and overbearing. And and it's none of that. It is the the absolute determination not to be wiped out and, and sent off to some place of darkness where you can't exist. Very much so. You know, um, I love what you guys are pretty much depicting this narrow way of self-identification, right? Uh, Dr. Meese, you mentioned how Black women or African-American women did not have certain crutches that other people did. Um, And so with that, it required you to do the true and actual work of not relying on what other people, the quick and easy answers that other people give you, but rather um, doing that internal and intentional work of figuring that out, you know, walking side by side with God. What does that journey look like? What can someone expect on that journey? (laughs) Some hard times. Hard times and <laughs> and don't try to do it alone. Don't you dare. <laughs> no, no. Uh, like I, mm-hmm. I've been thinking a lot about this actually, and um, I had the just the pleasure, the joy of um, hosting my my cousin. We call, we call each other sister cuz um, because I I don't have a biological sister, and um, her parents like in only had her like so she's an only child but we grew up like you know we were born within three months of each other our mothers were best friends um and were the maidens of honor or matron of honor in each other's weddings uh and um so anyway so she's my sister cousin she came up from cincinnati after she got fully vaccinated and stayed with me here in new york and we were actually having some of these conversations um and and we were talking about how important it was to have these these women um, who modeled this process for us, um, you know, and thinking about like just like where would we be without, for instance, our granny? And um, you know, my my 
father's mother so and her mother's mother because our our parents are brother and sister um but yeah our granny was first generation born um born free um in kentucky and she was she was born or at least very soon after her birth um she lost her right arm and so talk about a hard i mean like life is hard anyway just being you know and she was a very dark-skinned black woman um or a black girl um with one arm <laughs> and so like you think about the metaphors of you know like we're born you know like with one you know one arm tied behind your back and then told go do these things like that was actually the case for her right? <laughs> um and and she raised two children three children actually by herself um no husband um and worked every day um uh, and actually worked for a while like she would work um you know she worked as an elevator operator in the state capitol building um in frankfort kentucky and then she would go home and she would cook and she would clean. And I remember just watching her, how she figured out how to sweep and like scoop up the dirt from the floor with one arm. Um, you grew up watching, like just sitting in that woman's kitchen, um, you know, eating meals that she's prepared sitting in a pristine house that she maintained. <laughs> um, and you just like, you realize what we're capable of. And um, I feel like, yeah, like I look back and my cousin and I were saying, like, it was like we were living, we grew up inside a metaphor. <laughs> um, that like, if, if granny could do this, anything is possible. If granny could do this, then there must be a power working in us greater than really anything this world had ever known. And yes, a power so great that the world would try to shut it down. Um, like when you see a woman like that living and thriving, you know, reading her Bible every day, <laughs> um, like you begin to understand, like, you know, like, I mean, if I were the powers that be, I would be vexed by a woman like that. <laughs> I'd be like, how do you get a woman like that? How do you stop her? Because you can't. Um, ultimately, you can't. Um, and so for me, like that journey has really, like the journey toward wholeness for me was charted before I was even born. And it was charted by a one-armed grandmother who showed us that, 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 that nothing stops us. Oh my goodness, yeah. Canon Stephanie, that's such a beautiful story. I, I hope you'll write about that sometime or another. Yeah, yeah. Or Just something as we were because... sitting, as we were sitting and talking, we we're like, "What was it like growing up?" You know, because my mom raised us, raised me and my brother by herself, um, and so I spent a fair amount of time in that granny's house, and then my other grandmother, my mom's mother, you know, who lost her husband when she was in her early twenties, you were in her early thirties, and it just had seven children. Um, and so had to ended up raising seven children by herself, you know? <laughs> yes, yes, um, yes. Like, Mike, I feel like every, so much of what I know about becoming whole, um, I learned from those, 
those women. I have their photos next to my bed, like these old kind of sepia toned photos of my two grandmothers when they were young women. And every morning I wake up and those are the faces that greet me. Yeah, and those faces tell you that no matter what's going on today, you're gonna step up to the plate. You know, because when we look at ourselves, I mean, look at us, we are we are women that they could not have ever imagined. Oh. Oh. And in in their wildest imagination, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm my mother, Ida B. Wells, Sojourner Truth, all those women are on my wall because these women ha- have have uh, made a pathway that that informs me that I don't care what's going on. My job is to step up to the plate and I will step up to the plate in their honor because they stepped up in with, with, you know, with no hope of even anything good coming from it, but they kept doing it anyway. And so who am I to sit in, in, in the 21st century lamenting much? Because when I think of the the legacy that I'm the inheritor of, then it means, you know, get up, get up and go, get up and go. We are our ancestors' wildest dreams. Yes, yes, yes. We are, we are their most impossible dreams. Um, yeah. But, you know, one of the things I wanted to say, too, as you were talking about your, your grandmothers and your mother, um, my mother, my father died when I was 16. So my mother had four, four kids that she had to finish raising by herself. So many African-American women have ended up with having to raise the children. And, and then the culture tries to malign them for being, for having done that. You know, it's almost like you are guilty because you were strong enough to be mother and father here because you had to. And that just gets, that just makes, infuriates me because even within our own community, oftentimes the men will feel intimidated by the power of, that we have, but that power has been pulled out of us by necessity. We've had to, I mean, you don't, you can't walk off from your kids just because it's going to be hard, you know? And so (laughs) that's exactly right. It's not an option. I mean, these children are here and they have to be taken care of, which was what, you know, Ida B. Wells said when her parents died and they were trying to separate her sisters and brothers. And she said, they'll turn over in, in their grave if we do that. So I'm going to take care of them. She was 16 years old. You know, so it's that kind of clarity about what you what you can do, what you need to do, and what you will do because because of who you are. And that to me is so so important and so valuable. For sure. I love that, you know, and that's a part of us telling the truth, number one, to know the truth, to know those stories and to be able to tell the correct um, narrative of why African-American, African-American women, how they got so resilient. Um, And a lot of times I love how you said, Dr. Means, you know, people misinterpret that as this angry and mad and fierce black woman, but actually it's truly 
resilience. And, um, you know, so I love that you guys have highlighted that legacy that African-American women have had and how you can learn these things in any situation, right? Um, this power and resilience was learned, uh, you know, while you were a little girl. And you saw your grandmother go through these things and you saw her raise, you know, children and you saw her continue to work and sweep with one arm. Like when you saw that, you learned the black woman's legacy. And I believe now, you know, that you guys are highlighting this. Hopefully our listeners can go back and begin to look at different African-American women and see their strength and their power. What did they go through? How did they get through it? And how can we tell the truth about their narrative in a way that edifies us and makes us better? Um, and Chelsea, so so, go, ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say I'm me, so I grateful wanted, that you guys have said that. Well, me too. But I wanted to say one other thing that, that has been occurring to me recently about this. And I think that the the beauty of our being warrior women is there and to be celebrated and we don't ever need to walk back from it but there's also the 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 other side of that is when you have been a warrior woman for a long time to and you have done what you needed to do to be able to see that yourself and rest in it i think is a huge challenge for us as, as women to, to, to step back and say, you know, when I look at myself and say, I meant to be, I, I meant to be a free woman. Well, I am a free woman, but now I need to rest in being a free woman. And, and do you, do you understand what I'm saying? That, you know, it's easy to, it's sort of like um, walking off the, the mountain and not realizing that you, you're going to fall. You just keep walking when you got to the edge because you didn't know you were at the edge. And it's like we we got to the to the goal we set for ourselves internally. However, it got set. It got set and we got and we achieved it. But we just but but it's almost as if we we, we can't realize it ourselves. And we and we could help each other, I think, as women and as African-Americans in general and the whole culture if it ever decided it wanted to do that, to affirm that we actually got where we were trying to go, that we did do it. You know, we are, we do have power. We are free. And we're, and, and it's a journey, of course. Um, you know I mean, and it's, you know, every, every day, because, you know, even as we speak of this indomitable spirit, um, it's exhausting too. You know, it is, and, and, at least my experience is that that you know the reason I keep those photos by my bed um, is because you know there are days I wake up and and feel like wait what what am I in this for <laughs> and and how will I how will I find the hope this day you know where will the power come from this day you know it's why I have to you know it's why you know when I go to bed each when I when I crawl into bed each evening you know I pull out my prayer journal. You know, I, I read from scripture, you know, the scriptures appointed for that day, and I reflect on the day. Um, and I look at, you know, I, I kind of do my, my Ignatian examine, you know, which is really just saying, all right, God, so, you know, where have I, where have I really met you today? And where have I fallen away from you today? Um, which is another way of saying, where, God, have I lived into the truth of what you created me to be? And where have I not? Um, and 
and I have to like, I have to stay in those practices and stay in those, in that, um, I guess in that, that space that the ancestors and other elders have carved out, um, because you can drift, you can always drift. Um, and I think the other, the other danger really for us, <laughs> for some reason, I'm, I'm hearing Beyonce right now in my head, um, talking about grinding. You know that she, you know she she sings a lot about about how we grind, and that you know we get things done, but that it's you know if you're if you're constantly grinding, like that's, um, like that takes a toll, like to be one who has to like you don't you you know you 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 figure your way out you figure your path out you walk with sisters and others on that path. Um, but there's there isn't always that ease in it. There's the grind, and there's only so long you can be one who grinds before it starts to grind. It grinds at something inside you too, and I think that that's the part that we. I wish we could speak of more honestly. You know that this takes a toll on us. You know that that um, one of my prayers. You know one of my regular prayers is God. You know to give me the ability to be soft, you know, that being, you know, to have softer edges. Um, Cause I think that when you are one who grinds necessarily, there have to be those sharper edges. And, um, and so I, I often am like, all right, God, can you, can you also help me to just soften those edges so that I move through the world? Like, I don't want to cut anybody <laughs> and I don't want to, I don't want to be that. Um, does this make sense? Oh, wow. yes. How, how, sure. how, how to, we're just absorbing all of that. Okay. Yeah. How um, to temper the warrior woman. That's what yeah. that sounds like. Oh, that's wow. what you're talking that's about. That's the title but, of the book. But yeah. Oh, okay, Chelsea, you write it. <laughs> so I guess we'll take this up in the second segment then, maybe. We sure will. We sure will. I'm so excited that we do have Ken and Stephanie for our next episode. So listeners, if you enjoyed this conversation thus far, be sure to stay tuned for our next episode. In the meantime, between time, you can stay connected with our conversation at on our website, centerforracialhealing.org, as well as on social media, on Facebook and on Instagram, Center for Racial Healing. Stay tuned for our next episode. And until next time, remember to always tell the truth.